This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 124 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Zebras, Zorses, and Zonkeys. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Can't believe you did that. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha, and you can find them at omegaalpha.ca. This episode is also sponsored by Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Plus, Uncle Jimmy's, and you can find them at uncle-jimmy's.com. And this is Helena B., and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year, everybody is right! It's and New it's- Year's Eve, Helena! Are you going out and partying and sh- shooting fireworks off in your backyard and scaring your horses to death? <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good idea. Now, we'll, be, uh, we'll probably be shooting off fireworks in the house. <laughs> Keep it inside, it's a little chilly out there. We are going to have a quiet New Year's Eve today. We like to stay off the streets on New Year's Do you normally make it till midnight? No, since I became a mother, no. <laughs> Wait, no. we're not even parents and we don't make it a minute. Like, <laughs> when we had the acting company, we did New Year's Eve feasts, which was our favorite shows to do because they would last five hours. And we'd start them at seven. They'd be over at like two. Yeah. And then we would stay awake. But that was with the little help of a couple bottles of champagne with, with me. Um, but, you know, and a lot of dancing and fun. But it was uh, now since then, it's been tough to stay awake till midnight. It it has, and uh, you know, in the last couple of years, it's uh, we. I have a tradition with my mother and father ever since I was a little girl, uh, that no matter where the three of us were in the world, um, we would call each other on New Year's Eve, and uh, oh, you know, so cool. even, even if I fell asleep, you know, I'd, my dad would be <laughs> waking my hiney up. <laughs> Happy New Year, Hooli. He would call me Hooligan, and uh, for sure, he'd call me Hooli. So, uh, sadly, this will be the first year I, I won't get a call from my dad uh, on the telephone. Maybe he'll be able to reach out from heaven and uh, give me a good smack on the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure but, he uh, will. You'll feel that, you know, at about I will, 12 o'clock. I do not doubt it. You know, my father is a tried and true Italian from Brooklyn. He will find a way, let me tell you. Hey, and don't forget to tape tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on HGTV. You have to, everybody has to tape the Rose Bowl Parade, because remember, 300 horses in that parade. Well, that's another tradition. In, in my family, it's all about the food. So New Year's Day is about watching the parade and stuffing your face full of yummy Italian food. Oh, see, and you were Italian family, so you got the 12-course spread. Oh, you're not kidding. Man, that lasted from noon to midnight. <laughs> How aren't you 600 pounds, by the way? I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. I, know, I have seen you. I know you're not 600 pounds. You should be with all that Italian food you've eaten. And now yeah. you have a husband that cooks all kinds of great food. Yeah, so. No kidding. And he loves to cook French, rich French food. So Yeah, he's a big sauce guy. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> and pastries and sauce bread. Sauce and gravy and all the stuff that's bad for your ticker. <laughs> but that never stops us from eating it, does it? 
No, no, no. We'll just go out and, uh, I don't know. Now, in uh, Pennsylvania, where we grew up, it was uh, pork and sauerkraut were the big things on New Year's Day. Yeah, we, we touched on this before. Yeah, now, you, So you do pork and sauerkraut. Thing. But Peter's family does pork and sauerkraut, too. It's a Russian thing as well. Oh, do they? Okay, so that must be a kind of a Europe, Eastern European kind of thing. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah, I don't like sauerkraut. Jennifer's on her own for sauerkraut. I'll cook the pork. I'm a great cooker of pork. But uh, sauerkraut, mm, not so much. Now, will you buy it, or do you guys make your own? We make it, usually. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. You have yeah. to age it, too, right? Well, she buys the bag stuff. You know, oh. but it does, it has to cook for a long time. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I think that's the key. And then I just don't, can't even stand how it smells. So I'm like out watching a movie on, or something because it's just. Because <laughs> you can't smell when you're I watching a movie. can't even just to stand how the sauerkraut smells. The, now, the, 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 let's tell people who don't know that the idea behind pork and sauerkraut is to bring, pork and sauerkraut is to bring pus- prosperity to your family for the coming year. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, it, I don't know exactly how pork and sauerkraut brings prosperity, but, you know, it has something to do with the harvest. With Pretty your... much just makes me sick. <laughs> That's not very prosperous. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't help. So uh, then uh, we also want to mention here, if you missed yesterday's Horses in the Morning show, Helena debuted, well, not debuted, you were on there before, but uh, made her appearance on there with Jamie to do the Hottest Horseman Awards for 2010. What a fun show. I was surprised. You guys were good. You were really good. I have that was to say. a lot of fun. And I yeah. had a hard time keeping my mouth shut a couple times. God Jamie bless you. Jamie was jabbing me, too. She was just jabbing me because she knew I would jump in. She wanted to win the bet. She's yeah. a competitive little girl, that, that Jamie. She went, We bet everybody that Glenn wouldn't be able. He decided that he was going to take the back seat. And he was just going to sit and record and, and co-produce with Jennifer. And that Jamie and I were going to run the show. And we took a bet before we went live on the air how many times Glenn wouldn't be able to contain himself and pipe in. And uh, Jamie bet like three times. And then Jen and I had, you know, we said maybe once or twice. And I think Jamie won. <laughs> no, I only piped in once at the end. I was good. The last two minutes I piped in. But boy, yeah, but I you were like, you tried to get like an hour's worth of comments into 20 seconds. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was over on Facebook. We had a lot of people participating on Facebook during that show. And I was over there, uh, I was over there egging them all on to uh, uh, to root for me to win horse husband, but I didn't. Let, sadly, right. so next, next year, maybe next. next year, I'll try and be a better horse husband this year. Well, we have a fun show planned today. I've been looking forward to this. We have a lady on by the name of Sammy Joe Sheedy, and Sammy Joe is a lot of fun. I talked to her for a little bit yesterday. We are going striped today. I love stripes. It's all about the stripes today. We are dressing up in our finest striped tuxedos, and we're talking about zebras, zorses, and zonkeys. We are and, indeed. And, you know, people might think, well, what the heck is a zonkey? Well, you know, most people have heard of zorses. That's a cross between a horse and a zebra. Right. Well, a zonkey, is a, it's a zebra donkey. You can't and even get it I out. I can't even get it out. And, and, and we, we're going to post pictures on our, uh, on our page but uh, they're the funkiest looking things. <laughs> what, the pictures are so cute. I'll tell you something. I forget how much I like looking at zebras until I see pictures of zebras. I know. And it's she's so got, you flashy. know, we're talking domesticated zebras here. We're talking ride these, ride and drive these boys. And, and uh, she's going to talk to us about how they came to be zebra trainers. And she has kind of an interesting life, too, that she's done a lot of different things and worked with many different animals uh, in wildlife rehab before she got into zebras, zonkeys, and zorses. 
Um, by the way, I was really upset you didn't mess that up during the opening. I know you were. <laughs> I know. That's okay. We have a whole hour left. I'll mess something up. <laughs> I wanted a good blooper out of that one, but I didn't get it. You were just like right on the ball there. Well, because I'm really excited about it. And plus you have it in nice, bright, clear red letters. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be talking to Sammy Joe in just a minute here. But first, you have something very, very special. Um, well, do we want to first hear from uh, one of our sponsors? All right. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we'll be right back with Helena's. Ver- You're not going to want to miss this. It no. is cute as the Dickens. It's very, very special. And you're going to want to hear this recording that Helena has to play right after this word from Omega Alpha. Well, Helena, Omega Alpha Pharmaceuticals creates only natural health products. Their scientists, guided by Dr. Gordon Chang, formulate a wide variety of mainly herbal health products to address many equine health problems. And I have on the line here Kyle Carter, who is an international eventer and well-known throughout the eventing world, who uses Omega Alpha products. Kyle, I understand that you started using uh, Omega Alpha about a year ago. Yeah, I've, I've been using it for about a year and have noticed a remarkable difference in the horses that have been on it. And then um, if, they've, if they've come off of it, the horse's health always has been better on it. Um, it's one of the few supplement companies that I wholeheartedly believe in. Well, thank you, Kyle. You know, Omega Alpha brings consumers the perfect marriage of nature and science. Look for all of their products at retailers nationwide or visit their website at omegaalpha.ca. That's omegaalpha.ca. Well, again, our thanks to Omega Alpha. I think this next little segment is going to make the folks at Omega Alpha proud. I know it makes me very proud. And, uh, I think it got Glenn and Jen a little choked up, too. (laughs) We had, um, in talking about what we wanted to give our own horses for Christmas, Grace and I had a discussion. Now, Grace is my daughter. She will be eight years old in January. And uh, she's a very compassionate little kid. She just, she adores animals. She has that, that, uh, I don't know, that understanding about them, that appreciation for what they are. So she says, you know, Mama, I want to give something really special to Zeke and Pie for Christmas. So I thought, well, let's you want to, you give them something from your heart. Maybe you can make them something. So she decided that she was going to make them a poem. And uh, this is an original poem by Grace. She wrote it, and she is going to, uh, to share it with you. So we have that coming up. This is little Gracie. Zeke and Pie. Zeke is copper like a penny. Pie is brown like a bear. Pie is young, but Zeke is old. They are not cold. They are warmer than anything in the world. Pie is silly. Zeke is nice. They do not bark. They do not bite. But they whinny, snicker, and snort when their grain comes by the court. Zeke is mine. Pie is mom's. They are much bigger than my palms. Pie is scared of a cat. Zeke would never be afraid of that. Zeke is 17 this year. Pie will be just 8. So happy holidays, my friends. Having you is great. <laughs> that is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I gave birth to the cutest thing ever. She really is. She's just such a good kid and, and was so proud of that, that poem and did she write that herself? Really? She did. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, she's got, uh, she reads a lot of Dr. Seuss. So at, at this age, they're really into the, the simple rhymes and the rhythm of speech and the flow. And 
Uh, they do, they're studying uh, poetry in her, her school, in her class. So, yeah, she's a very wow. talented little Yeah, kid. I'd say that, that, uh, makes, that makes us think, like, uh, she should be doing the show. <laughs> she will someday. <laughs> that is terrific. And, you know, it was interesting. I don't even recognize her voice anymore. It's been a couple of years since I've seen Grace. So yeah. it's been a while. She's, uh, yeah, I know. Sometimes up. I don't recognize it either, especially when it comes with an eye roll and a mom. <laughs> oh, she's getting to that age, huh? Oh, please. She's well into that age. <laughs> Duh. You know what her favorite word is now? Her favorite expression? And, it, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's my fault. But her, her expression now is, really? Oh, no, <laughs> you say that all the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but she does it. It's like, and she's so good at, at putting things in context in the right place. You know, she is. <laughs> I had to, Peter and I look at each other. We're like, Oh my God, we're in so much trouble. This kid is just too smart for, for us. I saw the pictures you posted on stable scoop on our Facebook page. Just go to stable scoop or Facebook and search for stable scoop of the, was it a Tyrannosaurus Rex or uh, a Triceratops? Oh, it's a Triceratops. triceratops. Yes. Well, you had quite a bit of snow there this week and uh, you posted pictures of, of the creations that you, uh, that your husband and you and your daughter built. Most people build a snowman, but no, you build a 40-foot dinosaur in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, we had plenty of snow, and, uh, you know, you need something for the kids to ride. We can't ride because we've got <laughs> crunchy, icy snow in our field. So Peter decided to uh, whip up a little triceratops for the kids to <laughs> climb on, ride on, slide under. Uh, this is cool. not a little one. This is quite a big triceratops. Oh, and you had to here. see Pi react to it. When he came out of the barn that morning, <laughs> he was like, Okay, I'm going to Florida. I'll meet you there. There's a dinosaur in my yard, Mom. <laughs> Big white dinosaur, yeah. Some people can check that out over on uh, Facebook. If you don't follow us there, just search for Stable Scoop and become a fan over on Facebook. And uh, sometimes we post fun stuff like that. Well, we're going to be right back after this message with our guest. And we're going we're gonna to talk about zebras, zorses, and zonkeys. And we're going to learn whether they make really good riding pets or not. Regular listeners to the Stable Scoop show know that Helena and I just love Uncle Jimmy's and his fantastic line of products. His products have the highest quality ingredients, and that is why they have taken off like they have. Of course, it all started with Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls for use in the stalls, and then came squeezy buns. We know you need to reward your horse outside of the stall as well. That is why Uncle Jimmy developed Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns. Squeezy buns are all natural and loaded with nutritional ingredients for your horse. Unlike similar products on the market, they are individually wrapped to preserve freshness and eliminate mess. With competitive pricing and Uncle Jimmy's quality guarantee, the Squeezy Buns promise to be a hit among horses and horse lovers alike. Learn more about all of Uncle Jimmy's products or to find a dealer, visit uncle-jimmys.com. That's uncle-jimmys.com. And we're back. Well, Helena, I'm very excited about this. We have Sammy Joe Sheedy coming up. Sammy is known as the Zebra Guru and was raised on a working horse and cattle ranch in eastern Oregon. Uh, she grew up uh, doing wildlife rehab and has worked with a variety of animals, including birds of prey, antelope, deer, elk, and badgers. She has been a professional animal trainer and a horse clinician for more than 10 years and has performed with her zebras and trick horses at clinics, community events, state fairs, and rodeos. In 2006, she relocated to Texas 
to form a partnership with Jason Mayfield, focusing on zebra training. So let's get the zebra guru on now and talk to Sammy Joe. Well, Glenn introduced her, and I'm excited to meet and talk with her. Welcome to Sammy Joe Sheedy to the Stable Scoop Show. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Now, you are known as the zebra guru, and uh, probably because you work with zebras, but there's, there's more than just working with zebras. How would you describe what it is that you do? Um, every day? Well, I work, I work with uh, a lot of different zebras, and uh, there's a lot of problem zebras out there that I get. Um, either people who don't have a lot of experience will get a zebra, and they'll make a lot of really common mistakes with it, and they end up with an animal that is, is dangerous to be around or uh, is either uh, aggressive towards people or way too friendly with people. So I get a lot of animals like that in that um, I work with and, and try to turn them around and uh, and then uh, generally either you know, use them for projects or uh, find them better homes. Okay. First and of all, I didn't even know it was legal to own a zebra. <laughs> it depends on, on where you live. There are uh, several layers of uh, permits and things you need to get, everything from federal permits and then uh, on state levels and even county levels, uh, county and city levels, uh, depending on where you are, whether it's legal to own them or not, and exactly what permits you need to have. Why would it be illegal to own a zebra? What is it about them that makes them um, uh, challenging to own? It's just the fact that they're, they are a wild animal. Um, and there's a lot of regulations with the wild animals because people are not equipped to deal with them, um, you know, having proper fences. And that's the biggest part is keeping the public safe and keeping people and the animals uh, safe and well cared for. Now, you have experience with uh, working with wildlife. This isn't the first time that you ventured into this arena, right? No, no. I, I've done uh, wildlife rehab growing up, and I've worked with a lot of different animals and so the wild animals are, you know, just kind of fell right in place. So, are they are are zebras? I mean, it's hard for me to hear that they're a wild animal. Um, but I, how how would you compare or contrast them to horses? So horses aren't necessarily considered wild animals, unless of course we're talking about the feral horses and mustangs and stuff that live on the plains. But how would you? How is a, a zebra different than a dom- domesticated horse? Right. And the horses, you know, they've been bred for many generations to uh, work with us. Um, And zebras, they've only been bred for a few generations um, domestically. Uh, All the zebras that we have in the United States, um, they're not imported from Africa anymore. So the ones we have have been in the U.S. for uh, quite a few generations. But even then, oh, go ahead. I just said I didn't know that. I I didn't know that. Yeah, I believe it was uh, about 1967 that the uh, they stopped importing any zebras. So basically what we have here uh, is all bred from that original stock. And um, actually many of the zebras that um, around the world that are either in zoos or they're owned uh, by private uh, um, animal owners, most of those were caught by a guy named Hagenbeck um, in uh, the late 1800s. Um, he was very well known for catching uh, lots of African wildlife and catching them as adults, shipping them all around the world uh, to different zoos and private menageries. So most of the animals that we have uh, of any species of wild animal, a lot of them originated from his stock. Hmm. Huh. I like that, private menagerie. <laughs> I need to work on that. Yes, that's, 
<laughs> that's what they were they were called. It was very popular for wealthy people in the uh, late 1800s, turn of the century, early 1900s, uh, to have a private menagerie of animals. So Michael yeah. Jackson wasn't the first? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Although if he could own a zebra, I bet he would. They're very fancy looking. So you, so you have a farm in Texas, yes? Yes. And, and how many zebras do you have there, and, and what else do you have there? Um, right now, I have uh, four zebras, and uh, I work with uh, my business partner, Jason Mayfield. Um, we both have uh, properties here, and so we have all sorts of different animals. So we have a camel. Um, I have a water buffalo. Uh, we have a couple of zorses and a donkey and uh, several lemurs and uh, see a black buck antelope. <laughs> Along with the horses and the donkeys and the mules and everything else. So. Well, that's all. It's just a little menagerie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so now, all right, so we know what a zebra is. Everybody's seen the striped beasts that we call zebras. And I assume a zorse is a cross between a zebra and a horse. Yes. Okay. So is it usually, you know, which one's male, female roles, or doesn't it matter in that case? Uh, generally, the zorses are um, the uh, horses, the mare. Um, and the zebra's the stallion. Um, it has been done the other way as well, but most often it is with the zebra as the stallion. I would imagine it's kind of hard for a zebra to give birth to a foal that might have more horse in it. Is that why? Uh, generally, that's, that's not been um, really an issue as far as I've ever heard. Um, oh. The biggest reason that that's done is because you're more likely to, I mean, there's, there's zebra stallions around that can be uh, used for breeding horses, but also because you can handle the horse mare. Um, so you're more likely to be able to leave the foal with the mare, and you don't have to bottle raise it or anything, and you're still going to have a gentle animal. Oh, oh that makes sense. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So a zonkey then is probably just what it sounds like. It's half yep. zebra, half donkey. And super yes, cute. And they are funky looking, I gotta tell you, Sammy Joe. You say funky, it I is funky cute. looking. It's got great big ears. Let's describe this. We'll put a picture in our show notes. It's got great big ears and it's got it, it's sort of tan all over and then it's got these striped legs like a zebra. It's, it's she it looks her like, name. Oh she yep. it looks like she's wearing uh, socks actually. Yes. Tall socks. <laughs> Very fashionable. <laughs> Very fashionable. So this is so tell us about Daisy May. This is your zonkey. Yes. Uh, Daisy May, uh, she's my girl. She uh, she came from a pretty tough past. I actually uh, picked her up at an auction, and she is just covered in scars. Oh. And, um, you know, everything from uh, it's very common with uh, to lead them with chains around their nose, um, much like people will do with a, a horse stallion. But unfortunately, it's not used properly, and so she's got scars um, oh. all over her nose from the chain. She's also... Um, got girth galls <laughs> on her girth. She's got uh, spur marks on her belly. Pretty classic. They're called spur tracks. Um, she also um, has uh, places where the bit has been pulled through her mouth. She's got big scars on either side of her mouth from it. Um, curb chain scars on her chin. She is just covered head to toe in scars. And she's and only three, right? The saddest part about it, yep, is she is only three years old. She's just getting her three-year-old teeth in when I got her. So she was, that was all done on her two-year-old year. So very sad that she was put through so much at such a young age. Um, And now I've started, it was very difficult process uh, to get her back to trusting people. And, and, you know, at first she would kick anybody. And there was no way you were going to touch her. She was pretty 
uh, pretty untrusting of everybody. And now she follows me around and braids at me all the time. And <laughs> I think her trail riding, she's, she's wonderful. Now, Aww. when you started training horses, and I assume you started with horses first, do you, yes. th- is there somebody that you subscribe to in, in training methods? Well, where I grew up, um, it's a little different than a lot of people. Um, basically, I was 100 miles from the nearest grocery store and grew up way up in the mountains, um, basically a town that has about 30 people in it, <laughs> and uh, you do your grocery shopping once a month. And you but wanted started... to leave that, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little hard to keep the zebras up there. Yeah. The cold. <laughs> but uh, I started out with, with horses. Uh, my family has raised horses, um, and we have, I believe, uh, the eighth generation of foals on the ground right now. Um, well, actually, uh, will be on the ground here in a couple of months. But when I was five years old, my mom gave me my first full-sized horse, and um, I uh, had ponies and stuff to ride, and my first full-size horse named Fantasy, and I did all the training for her uh, by myself, and uh, rode her in parades and did all sorts of things with her, and she was one of um, one of my mom's stallions' first foals. So uh, she was she was the one that got me started, and from then on, I just took off. <laughs> So, so you basically, you, it was a sort of your your family's philosophy on training. You kind of went with what you were yeah. you were taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for the most part, you know, mom, you know, if she couldn't find me, she knew I was going to be out in the barn. So basically, the horses taught me uh, so much about them, just being observant and watching them, spending so much time with them. And then it was like there was a time <clears throat> somewhere in my teens where I discovered that there was clinicians. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't watch TV or anything. Um, but I started going around to different expos and actually started performing at expos, um, with my trick horses and things, uh, different animals before I got the zebras and, you know, being able to hang out with some of these guys was really amazing. And I remember I was just completely blown away that there was so much information out there that I didn't have access to. And, you know, so I, every chance I got, I tried to work with different ones and my philosophy is there's no person that can ever teach you anything or everything you have to you know study from as many people as you possibly can because everybody has something to offer that's that's so true we've discovered that in a couple years on the air here for sure um now so okay so training a zebra is it is it more difficult than a horse is it you know about the same method as a horse well i i basically what i say is Everything you should do with a horse, you have to do with a zebra. Okay, so you can't let them so, get away with anything. Right, and yeah. you don't want to make, um, you know, a horse, you can get away with making a lot of mistakes and still be fine for it. You know, you might have a, an interesting horse, but you can still get along with it. With a zebra, you make some bad mistakes, you're you're going to be in trouble because they're much more like uh, mules and donkeys where you teach them something and they learn it forever. They know it. And I can take a zebra that I've worked with, turn him out in the pasture for two years, bring him back in, and he'll do exactly as he did the last time I worked with him, whether it was good or bad. So uh, they retain information incredibly well. And the biggest thing that we see is that when people get them as babies, most people bottle raise them, well, they spoil them half to death. And you end up with 
uh, you know, six or seven hundred pound Labrador. <laughs> yeah, they think they're a dog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Which isn't good. Isn't a bad thing if you, uh, you know, know how to train dogs and and you, uh, you know, dogs should be well behaved too. But we know how most people's dogs are. Uh, <laughs> you know, if your dog jumps up on you and and pulls on leash and everything, and then you do the same thing with the zebra. Well, it's not too good. So we end up with zebras who are very pushy, who are not respectful at all. And but at the same time, they're very friendly and they want to be in your space all the time. So they're like big lap dogs. <laughs> well, I got I to yeah. tell you, Helena, the picture down toward the bottom of your list there, a baby Cosmo, the three week old. Oh. Isn't that the cutest thing ever? It's killing me, and, and I'm, I'm putting it up on Facebook so that everybody comes, everybody will come in and listen to this episode because I, it makes me want to have zonkeys and zorses and zebras. Well, and- i got to tell you, too, Sammy Joe, we're going we're gonna to talk just a minute here after our next commercial break uh, about driving. I, you know, I've seen zebras being ridden before. I had never seen one being driven, and I'm a driver, so that fascinates me. So let's talk about that right after this break. Did you get a few dollars for Christmas that you are looking to spend on your horse habit? Then Equestrian Collections is for you. Whether you're needing something for you, your kids, or your horse, Equestrian Collections has the selection and the prices that you are looking for. Plus, if you act before December 31st, you will get $10 off your next order of $120 or more just by using the coupon code HORSERADIO, all one word, Horse Radio at checkout. That'll get you $10 off your next order of $120 or more. But you must act now before December 31st for that coupon code just for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network. And that coupon even includes everything in their discount outlet. Check it all out at equestriancollections.com. Well, Sammy Joe, we're talking to Sammy Joe here about zebras, zorses, and zonkeys. I love saying that. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, you I have never ever seen a zebra drive before, and and we'll post pictures of of you driving your zebras too through the obstacle course. What are they? Are they best at? Are they just like any other pony, where some are good at driving and some are good at riding? What 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 are their gifts? What are their gifts? Well, most most people, um, you know, just have them as pets. But if they're doing something with them, a lot depends on their conformation and their size. Um, for several of my zebras, I ride them, and Charlie Brown is my driving zebra. He's my baby. He's been the one I've I've uh, had him since he was uh, 24 hours old. And um, with him, you know, I, I intended to ride him, but. Something uh, kind of went haywire, and he ended up weighing 400 pounds, and he's got a very big hot belly and kind of crooked legs. So uh, riding is out of the question for him. So I started driving him, and my idea was I wanted to do a training diary on YouTube. So I did the the training diary from some of the groundwork and then eventually the ground driving and, and the whole process of training him to drive. And he has been easier than any horse I started to drive. He's wonderful. He just is uh, so reliable, and he really enjoys driving. I have a driving horse as well. And when I pull out my driving horse's carriage, my uh, the big Meadowbrook, well, Charlie will run in front of me and slow down to where he is in between the shafts as I'm, you know, pulling the cart. So it ends up with me pulling the cart between the shafts and a zebra right in front of me. <laughs> he he loves to drive. And, yes, he's, he's very good at it. But 
traditionally, um, zebras were more often driven. I've done a lot of research into the history of zebras in domestication and, and you know, zebras and their usefulness to man and what they meant to history. And it's actually been very important because driving zebras, they started using them in, in South Africa when the tsetse fly was killing off horses with African equine sickness. It was said that if you left a horse out in the pasture overnight, um, you must surely die because it would have been bitten by the tsetse fly. Well, the zebra is immune to the African equine sickness. So they started using them in stage lines and for different carriages and working the field. And that was primarily in the late 1800s, very early 1900s. Um, and the most notable was the Transvaal stage, which had eight zebras. Uh, that they employed for driving. Um, the very first doctor in Nairobi, Kenya, rode a zebra to visit his patients. Hmm. So there's a lot of history there, but um, Lord Rothschild drove his uh, four zebras in London at uh, the turn of the century, and uh, there's also several tea companies, things like that, that also had zebras uh, employed to pull the carriages. So it's not terribly uncommon to have them drive. And traditionally, that's what they were used for more than anything. Now, are they allowed in any uh, recognized driving competitions? The only pl- place that I found them to be um, allowed to compete in is the um, is the American Donkey and Mule Society allows them to uh, compete in their classes. For the most part, um, the only reason that I don't take them to shows <laughs> is because they scare the horses. So I'll take my zebra to a show. My zebra will be perfectly well-behaved, and all the horses will be terrified. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I basically stay away from the shows just because I don't want to scare anybody's horses. So, now, is it uh, is it a, a visual? Are the horses visually startled by the zebras, or is it a smell, a sense? It's a little of both. I've played around with different uh, methods to try and see what it is. It's largely visual. Um, and you, know, you see a lot of mule, uh, horses that don't like mules or donkeys, and how, we'll have a very strong reaction to them as well. But the biggest part with the zebras, uh, you always hear that zebras are striped because of camouflage. And, you know, everybody sits here and thinks, well, I'm going to be a lion, and I'm going to sit up on Mount Kilimanjaro, and I'm going to look for the zebra. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like it's very good camouflage. No, it kind of but... sticks out on the brown plane. Well, when he's in yeah. a herd of other zebras, then you can't tell one zebra right. apart from another. Oh, right? that just means that, that some is... unlucky sucker is going to get eaten. That's all that means. <laughs> well, if you go out in the pasture, in my pasture at night, even with a full moon, my zebra will be 10 feet from you before you'll actually see him. Really? Uh, in the dark. Uh, the stripes break up the outline, so you actually can't see the outline of the animal. And especially in the dark, when you're looking out there, what you're looking for is shapes. Right. So even the, the white horses, the dark horses, I can see their shape, and that's what I'm looking for. The zebra's stripes break up their shape so much that you really can't see them. So with the horses, especially when the zebra's moving, they can't see the outline. And I think it really bothers them that they have a hard time seeing the full shape of the animal. Hmm. So they react less if I have him, uh, as I say, dressed up, all harnessed, and, and on the carriage. The horses don't seem to mind him too much because the uh, straps create the outline. And what about your horses? Do they get along well with the horses they live with? Or, or do the horses yes, yeah. The horses them that have been fine? introduced to them, they do fine. Um, oh, my gosh. I have like 100 million questions. I know. This is such, <laughs> such an interesting conversation. The... Um, what about the the crosses, the the zorses and the zonkeys? 
really, why do, why do we do that? Is there a need for it? Does it produce an animal that has a unique, has, that has unique characteristics that you, you just can't find any other, in any other way? Well, their coloring is interesting. Um, as a rule, the horses inherit the mother's coloring or the, the horse's coloring. Um, so usually, you know, the bay or the reds. Um, and they also inherit the mother's pattern. So let's say you bred to a sorrel paint mare and you got a sorrel paint offspring. The black stripes will be in the sorrel spots. So only the spots are striped. So the zebra passes on their black stripes while the uh, mare uh, passes on the color. So that's really interesting is just the color combination. But originally when they were breeding Zorses, Kosar Ewart bred uh, Zorses in the late 1800s to disprove the theory of telogony, which was the belief that if you bred a mare to a stallion, she was then infected by that stallion, and every fall she had from then on would be a result from that stallion. Hmm. So, you know, in, in the 1800s, that was a very popular belief, and it didn't matter whether you were breeding dogs or horses, so your mare would only be bred to one stallion throughout her career. Wow. Because every foal would be hers anyway, or would be his anyway. So he disproves that by breeding mares to zebras, getting a striped animal, then breeding them back to horses and proving that, see, the animal doesn't have stripes. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> was a visual way to prove it, I guess. Um, so I have a question about the as As Helena said, I, we both have a thousand questions. We only have five minutes left. I have a question about the manes and tails. Are the manes sort of be are sort of are like a stick-up mane, sort of like you would see right. on a um, trying to think of a horse that uh, has that uh, the Norwegian fjord. Yeah, the fjord uh, has that stick-up mane, and then the tail seems to be pretty like a stump with a little bit of hair at the end. <laughs> yeah, zebras' tails don't tend to be very thick. Uh, it depends on the zebra. Some of them are longer, but their manes definitely stick straight up in the air. And they're striped. In most of the hybrids, their mane is also sticking straight up in the air. Um, but some of your your Zorse hybrids, um, the manes will be long enough to slop over. But as a rule, they stick straight in the air. Well, that's so cool. And it must, you know, it, it. I just think that's so neat. And they're striped, which is also so neat. I well, saw... if you think you're if you're a lion and you go to pounce on a zebra, you might miss and catch the manes to the neck. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So, and do you have to trim them like horses, or do they just stay that? height. The, the main, yeah, yeah, the main stays right there. You don't have to trim it or anything. I gotta say, you have a longer mane than, you, than your zebras do. <laughs> these uh, I have a longer mane than most of my horses. Yeah, I have, I know, we should qualify that. Uh, I'm not really picking on her here. Uh, Sammy Joe has hair down to, to her butt. So Long, beautiful yeah, hair. Thick, blonde hair. So, um, This is absolutely fascinating stuff, Sammy Joe, and we could talk to you all day. Will you come back with us sometime again, and we'll we'll get into a little more, when we have more time, and we can get into a little more depth? Absolutely. That would be terrific, because you you have so much to talk about. You know, one of the other questions I want to leave with is, what do you do? You say here that you do shows with some of your zebras, and you do events. What do you do with Uh them in, in the show? Well, there's a lot of, of uh, we can do everything from TV and film commercials. Uh, we do events like uh, everything from birthday parties. Sometimes uh, corporate parties want uh, something interesting to add to it. We also go to schools. We go to um, uh, different places, uh, boys camps, things like that, to just kind of show people something different, something to get them interested in, and the schools to educate people. So we have a lot of fun, a lot of fundraisers. 
I imagine kids just must love it. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> the kids absolutely love them. There's quite a fan uh, fan base for Charlie the Zebra and Butter the Camel. Those are the two that usually go to the school. So. <laughs> Helena, you know, we say all the time that Helena and I say that we have the coolest job in the world because we get to sit around and talk to some of the coolest horse people in the world. You have a pretty cool job. I'm not sure. I think she's competing as far as cool jobs go, Helena. Yeah, I think it's she is one cool. of the coolest, definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy it's Joe. An every day. We appreciate Thank you, you very being much. on with us. This has been a lot of fun. If people want to learn more about what you do, where can they find you? Our website is zebraguru.com. Zebraguru, that's G-U-R-U, like guru. Uh-huh. Zebraguru.com. There's some fun videos on there. Uh, I was watching you clip a zebra, which I thought was surreal because for some reason when you were clipping the zebra, I was expecting to see the hair come off and what was underneath be different. And yeah, it wasn't. The, the stripes were in the same place. I was just, for some reason, when you, when you started that, I went, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be complete. I, my mind just went there. I don't know why. But, uh, <laughs> they were, maybe zebras are very fuzzy. Yeah, and that, and that stripe goes the whole way down, people. So uh-huh. <laughs> thank you, Sammy Joe. Well, thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun, Helena. I, I tell you what, I could talk to her all day. And look, and we're going to post a bunch of these pictures on our Facebook page and uh, in our show I actually notes. have a couple up there right now. Oh, do you? teaser. Yeah. Oh, yep, good. Yep, because let me tell you, that, what cool stuff this is. And they're cute as a dickhead. Oh, I just love, love I'm a big oogie mess right now. <laughs> that three-week-old is cute. And you see him oh. jumping on the little tarp. And it's <laughs> just adorable. And the story of Daisy May, my heart was breaking and <laughs> bursting at the same time. Because I it just, you know, it's hard enough being born looking different like that. But imagine the, I can't go there. I just can't. I'm glad that she's with uh, Sammy Joe. I am, too. Sounds like they all have good homes. And, you know, I this has been a fun show to do as our last show we're recording in 2010. I really can't think of a better way to wrap up the year. Than zebras, zonkeys, and zorses. And we'll be back again next year when you can find all the details about today's show, as usual, on StableScoop.com. We can find all the photos we're talking about and also the links. And we love your feedback. Please just uh, get, get, you can contact us through Facebook or our websites or wherever. We love to hear from you. And, of course, we have to take this opportunity, Helena, to thank our loyal sponsors this year, Omega Alpha, our title sponsor. And Equestrian Collections and Uncle Jimmy's brand products. We thank them all for their support. And, of course, all of our affiliates that carry our shows around the Internet. We appreciate that, too. But most of all, we appreciate our tens of thousands of listeners in over 42 countries. Thank you for listening in. We hope you learned something and have a lot of fun along the way. And thank you, Helena, for being my co-host. It, 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 you, I just look forward to this every week. I know. I do, too. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, hey, we're super cool. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, gang. And I think, what, that's oh. it for this year that's it for 2010 well that's plenty but there will be more next year cut